Hi again, everybody. I'm Dan Horde, and thanks for downloading the Bengals Booth Podcast. The help I'm stepping into the twilight zone edition as we look back at a 27-19 loss in Cleveland where the red zone became the twilight zone for the Bengals offense. Coming up, you'll hear radio replays, one-on-one locker room interviews, and Dave Lapham will join me for post-game analysis. Plus, in this week's Fun Facts conversation, it's rookie offensive lineman Michael Jordan, who reveals that he almost went to Notre Dame instead of Ohio State because of the macaroni and cheese that he was served on his recruiting trip. And yes, the discussion of that topic is as entertaining as it sounds. All of that is straight ahead, but first, here's a quick reminder that you can have the latest edition of this podcast delivered right to your phone, tablet, or computer by subscribing on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, or Podbean. It's the greatest thing since maps or apps that calculate driving time. On Sunday afternoon, we learned that the UC football team is headed to the Birmingham Bowl on January 2nd. I have a basketball game to do the night before, so I plugged Cincinnati and Birmingham into the Waze app and instantaneously learned that it's a a six-and-a-half-hour drive from my house. Not bad. Two days later, I have a basketball game to do at Tulane, so I plugged Birmingham and New Orleans into Google Maps, and that's a five-hour drive. Again, not bad. If, like me, you're old enough to remember when you had to get out an actual map and try to guesstimate driving time, you can appreciate just how convenient it is to have technology available that calculates that with a touch of a button. Now let's get to the opening drive of Sunday's game in Cleveland. The Bengals have not scored an opening drive touchdown in 20 games. They did run the opening kickoff back for a score at Baltimore this year, but the last time the offense marched down the field and reached the end zone on its opening drive was Game 9 last year against the Saints. Yesterday, the Bengals' first play of the game was a 21-yard pass to Tyler Boyd. Their second play was a 26-yard run by Joe Mixon. Eventually, the Bengals reached the Cleveland 6-yard line, But that's where the drive stalled. It becomes a 34-yard field goal attempt for Randy Bullock. The snap, the put down, the kick. It is high enough, it is long enough, and it is good. So an excellent start for Cincinnati as the Bengals drive down the field and take a 3-0 lead on a 34-yard field goal by Randy Bullock. When Cleveland got the ball for the first time, the Bengals picked off Baker Mayfield. Former Heisman Trophy winner takes the snap. Looks to throw, guns it over the middle, and Najoku bobbled it, but he pulled it in. You got it. it taken away, away by Cincinnati. The Bengals are running it back. Nick Vigil running up the far sideline, and Vigil is taken down yeah. near midfield. So Vigil peeled the ball away from David Najoku. Not sure it'll be, if it'll be ruled a fumble or an interception, but it is a takeaway if it stands, and the Bengals will have the ball at their own 49-yard line. Yeah, he just took it away from them. They're going to they're gonna say he's down before it got taken away. Really on the field is a fumble recovered by the defense. First down, Cincinnati. That's officially an interception because Vigil ripped the ball out of Njoku's hands before the Cleveland tight end hit the ground. But the Bengals failed to capitalize. Joe Mixon was called for unnecessary roughness when he scuffled with Brown's cornerback, Greedy Williams, after a two-yard run. That 15-yard penalty 
put the Bengals into a bad down and distance dilemma. Third and 23, the Bengals at their own 48. Dalton throws a short pass, intercepted, and it's being run back down the near sideline by Denzel Ward. He's at the 20, Andy Dalton dives at him at the 10, can't make the tackle, and it's a pick six for the Cleveland Browns. He threw it behind Auden Tate. Bad throw by Andy Dalton, throws it behind Auden Tate, and uh, the deflection, the, the play by Ward. And it's a pick six, and boy, what a change of uh, momentum that was. The Browns were up 7-3, and here's Mixon on his penalty on the previous play. Early on in the game, emotions was running high, and, uh, you know, even with my penalty, came back, apologized to my teammates. You know, I got to know better than that. They they want to take me out the game, and uh, they tried, but, you know, it didn't work. At the end of the day, man, we just got to keep on grinding, controlling what we can control, and, we can't hide on penalties like that. I mean, it hurts the team, and uh, potentially that one right there, at least for mine, I mean, it hurts. So, um, like I said, man, just got to do better and uh, keep controlling what we can control. The Bengals responded with another drive into the red zone, but for the second straight time, couldn't reach the end zone. Third down and seven at the 18-yard line of the Cleveland Browns. The Bengals trailing 7-3 in the first quarter. Dalton catches a shotgun snap, sets up to throw, ah. and gets sacked. An inside bull rush topples him back at the 29-yard line. Sheldon Richardson with his second tackle in the backfield on this drive. A Randy Bullock field goal made it 7-6, and one minute later, Cincinnati picked off Mayfield for the second time in the first quarter. Mayfield ready for the shotgun snap, and the first pick in last year's draft has the ball. Sets up in the pocket, guns it downfield, and it is intercepted by Jesse Bates. At the 40 of Cleveland, running down the far sideline to the 30, the 25, stays in bounds, runs to the 20, and gets tackled at the 20-yard line. It was a ricochet. It floated into the hands of Jesse Bates, and the Bengals have their second takeaway here in the first quarter. It's going to come back. Darquez Denard had an illegal block, a peel-back block on the return. The interception is going to stand. But on the return, that's going to be negated by another penalty. This time, the Bengals overcame the penalty. Bengals go hurry up so that Cleveland cannot change personnel on first down and goal. Dalton hands it off to Mixon, and he runs it right up the gut and into the end zone for a Bengals touchdown. The Bengals had a 13-7 lead, and Mixon had an incredible day, rushing for a career-high 146 yards and adding 40 more on three pass receptions. Here's Joe. I think Coach did a great job dialing him up, and uh, our linemen did a great job sealing and kicking out and doing what you know they was taught to do. And uh, I was just going in there and finding them. Um, found a lot of holes today, and you know just trying to explode through and finish my runs uh, strong. So um, you know, like I said, man, just got to keep getting better each and every week. And I feel like we headed in the right direction, but we just got to come out and finish. In the first half, Cincinnati outgained Cleveland 242 to 139, and yet. The Browns went to the locker room with a one-point lead. Third down and goal from the seven. Shotgun snap, blitz coming. Mayfield steps up. He's scrambling left. Mayfield will dive for the pylon. Did he step out first? No, it's a touchdown for the Cleveland Browns. It was 14-13, Cleveland at the half. I talked to Tyler Boyd about dominating the stat sheet but not the scoreboard. You went up and down the field all day. Were there times that you almost looked up at the scoreboard and wondered, how are we not winning? Facts, absolutely, because like I mentioned, man, we outplayed them guys. You know, we just, just some little plays that happened throughout the game that didn't go our way and we didn't execute in the red zone both times, man. Hurt us, 
you know, you got to score when you're in the red zone. Three points ain't going to win you games, you know. Um, so we just gotta just, we just gotta do a better job of executing whatever the play call is. In the second half, the Browns did a better job of using the NFL's leading rusher, Nick Chubb. He had three carries for seven yards in the first half. He finished the game with 15 carries for 106 yards. Looked like we had early movement. There's the penalty flag. Gets a handoff to Chubb. He breaks through ankle tackles. He's sprinting down the middle of the field. He's going to take it inside the 20. 15, cuts back to the 10, wow. 5, wow. and he gets tackled by Will Jackson at the three-yard line. Will it come back, or was it on Cincinnati? Well, the Bengals were definitely in the neutral zone. Will they try? Number 93, defense, penalties declined. Result of the play, first down. Andrew Brown jumped offside. They called it on 93. He went in the neutral zone, and all of a sudden, that anemic running game looks great. All, it, all, it, all you do is need to break one like Chubb broke, and he is something else, boy. He finishes every run as hard as he possibly can. From there, Kareem Hunt ran it in to give Cleveland a 21-13 lead. The Bengals answered with a 16-play drive that included runs of 6, 8, 19, and 6 by Mixon. But on first and goal from the 2, Joe did not get the ball. They trail by 8. Dalton the shotgun, drops back to throw, looking, and gets hit from behind. Did he hold on to the ball? Yep. He managed to hold on to the ball. I thought he was going to get stripped from behind. He goes down, they'll say, at the nine-yard line. That's a bad place to take a sack, but the protection was horrible, and everything just collapsed on him on the backside. Two incomplete passes later, the Bengals settled for another field goal after having a first down at the two-yard line. The Browns didn't have to get close to the red zone to get the same result. From 53 yards away, with Cleveland up by five, the snap, the put down, the kick, it is long enough and it is good. The Bengals get to the two yard line and get three points. The Browns get to the 40 yard line and get three points. Technically, the Browns made it to the 35, but you get the point. On their first four red zone drives, the Bengals scored one touchdown and kicked three field goals. On their final red zone drive, they didn't score at all. Fourth and goal from the four. Dalton waits for a shotgun snap. Three receivers and a bunch out to the right. Two receivers go out to the left. Dalton stomps the right foot. And he catches the shotgun snap, looks to run. Dalton trying to find a running lane, tackled at the two, and the Bengals get nothing. That came with 7.14 to go. The Bengals passing up a chip shot field goal that could have pulled them within five to go for it on fourth and goal from the four. Zach Taylor explained after the game that part of his thinking was that if the Bengals didn't get a touchdown, the Browns would be backed up deep in their own territory. And if the defense that played so well in the first half got another stop, the offense would get the ball back in good field position. That's almost how it played out. Mayfield waiting for a shotgun snap. Landry motions to the right. He's back to throw, he's looking left, his pass is intercepted yeah, off a ricochet. The Bengals have it in the red zone as that pass intended for Odell Beckham Jr. was batted up in the air and intercepted and the Bengals will have it at the 16 yard line. Jesse Bates comes away with the pick. After review, it was pass interference. Oh. Number 22, defense. That ball will be placed at the spot of the foul. First down. A year ago, that would have been an interception. But the rule change that resulted from last year's Saints-Rams playoff game allows the officials to look for pass interference on replays, 
even if there was no call on the field. It was called on Will Jackson and gave the ball back to the Browns. Here's Tyler Boyd. Man, today I felt like that nothing was going our way. You know, I didn't feel a lot of calls that they made was bull crap, man. It wasn't the right calls. I felt like they were playing with the refs was on their side. You know, I think that's the first game. Actually, I felt that the refs was on their side. You know, but at the end of the day, Zach came in and can't worry about that. You know, we got to just continue to play our game and just make plays. Following that call, each team kicked a field goal to make the final score Cleveland 27, Cincinnati 19. Here's Joe Mixon. You know, we had our opportunities out there. Um, we, could, we couldn't capitalize on some, and, you know, some we just couldn't control, man. So at the end of the day, like I said, we just got to come out and play better and hopefully, uh, you know, come out and win them close ones. Uh, we got three more weeks to put it on tape, and we, like I said, we just got to keep uh, progressing and getting better uh, with each other each and every week. Now time for a pair of one-on-one -on -one locker room conversations. First, I spoke to Jesse Bates, who had two interceptions. Unfortunately, only one of them counted. This is one of those games, Jesse, where statistically you'd think the Bengals won easily, but between the inability to, to score in some, the red zone and some really costly penalties, you wind up with a loss. Yeah, um, I think, did we win the turnover battle? You did. Yeah, so um, anytime you do that and you, know, you out-gain them, um, it sucks. But uh, I think we played well um, enough to win, um, but it wasn't consistently enough to win today. So, um, you know, it sucks, obviously, but um, we got another opportunity next week to gain some more moment, momentum uh, as a team going forward. Were there times where you almost looked up at the scoreboard and said, how are we not winning? Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, even when we were down one going into halftime, I felt like we were winning. Um, I don't know what it was. Uh, maybe that's a good thing. Uh, we're having good vibes around here, so... Um, yeah, I mean, we felt I felt confident that we we're going to win that game the whole the whole time, starting start from the beginning. So, you didn't ultimately, uh, you know, keep the streak going of 17 points or fewer. They had a pick six that contributed, but did you feel this was another solid performance by the defense? Yeah, um, obviously, there's a lot of good things that we did, a lot of things that can get better. Um, I think in the third quarter, they rushed the ball uh, pretty well on us. Um, but, you know, you just got to go into film tomorrow and, you know, make the corrections. On the long run by Chubb, uh, there was an offside on that play. Was there a brief hesitation on the defense where you wondered whether the, the play was going to go? Yeah, um, I actually missed that tackle, yeah. So, uh, I know it sucks, but, I mean, this we can't control what uh, the refs do. We got to control what we can uh, make plays. I think Joe Mixon had 180-plus mm -hmm. rushing, receiving yards combined. Um, does it bum you out when he has an individual performance like that and it doesn't end in a win? Um, you don't really think about it ind individually, uh, who has a good game. Um, all that matters is, um, what is if it's a W or L at the end of the game. Um, and unfortunately, uh, we lost again. Um, but, yeah, it's exciting for Joe. I mean, he's, he works hard, um, and, he, and he deserves all the success that he's having. So I'm um, not surprised at all. For the season, you guys are one of the least penalized teams in the NFL. This is really the only time I can remember where penalties really played a huge role in costing a game. Yeah, uh, we talked about it, honestly. We talked about it in the team meet room that uh, we knew that they were going to be chirping a lot, um, that they were going to get penalized a lot, um, and unfortunately that we were we were kind of the same the same team today um, on the on the penalty side. And now, time to hear from head coach Zach Taylor, who spent four minutes with Lap right after the game. It has to be a frustrating one, Coach. I mean, 
you had 400 yards offense, but uh, in the red zone, uh, five times in the red zone, one touchdown, three field goals, and, and uh, no points on on downs one time. That, that was a big factor in the football game. Yeah, on the road, uh, we, those, are, those four point plays are critical. Uh, we just didn't do enough, good, good enough job. You know, it's the first and second down. I thought we were efficient, did a nice job all game, but third down, the low red zone killed us. You win the turnover battle for the first time all year. You have two, they have one, but they get they get points. They get seven points on the pick six. So that that was an unfortunate uh, unfortunate deal when they get you know unscripted points like that. Yeah. Otherwise, I thought in the first half our defense had played well. You know, held them seven points and gave us a good good um, put us in a good situation there. And unfortunately, the second half they came out and took it to us, and uh, we just weren't good enough. Third down was another uh, area where Bengals three for 12. They're seven for 12. Baker Mayfield's tried to touchdown runs on third down. They made, they had a third and 19 they converted. And, you know, the, the pick six was on a third and 20, whatever it was. So, I mean, good happened for them on third down. Tough happened for the Cincinnati on third down. That was a big factor as well. That's what it boils down to. You know, we got to be better situationally. And um, today on both sides of the ball, we were not good enough. And then uh, penalties was the other thing I jotted down. Eight penalties for 99 yards. They had six for 30. And um, <laughs> pretty frustrating when they look at an interception on replay to see if there's a, a penalty involved. And, you know, maybe there was. I don't know. I just, I just feel like in the NFL, these games are going to take seven hours if they, uh, if they start looking at every play and trying to determine if there's a penalty anywhere. It's just difficult to know what they're, what they're thinking. So we just got to go with it. So... Um, obviously, that coming into the football game, you were the least penalized team by yards, total yards in the National Football League, and they were they were worst. And then today, that you know, to have it be unbalanced by by 69 yards, that that's not something you obviously expected. Especially in the first half, there were two there. Uh, the first one on the drive right before the interception that um, we got to do a better job controlling our emotions. We had a good drive there, set us back, and then uh, we had another one right there before the half, and we were moving pretty well, and we had the, the blindside block that really hurt us. So we just got to do a better job controlling our emotions in those situations. So, I mean, in, in, in the red zone, um, I guess one, once you do have an issue with it, with it in a red zone possession, does it almost like put more pressure on the next one to make up for the problems you had on the one priority to try to treat everyone individually? Yeah, treat each one individually. You know, there's, uh, we had a first and goal from the two, and we take a sack, and you're not normally anticipating that, but it happens, you know. And, and uh, so we just got to be able to recover from it. Uh, ended up kicking a field goal there, and then we went for it on the fourth down there a couple of possessions later and felt like we had a good look. We just we got to execute it. So this is the is it seventh game or is it eighth game? I've, I've lost track now. We were, that had been decided by a score or less, you know, eight points or less. And then another one by ten points or less. So, again, you know, it, it's like you're in all these football games. It's just a matter of not allowing them to make one explosive, you making one more explosive. I mean, it's such a fine line in the National Football League. It is, you know, and we gotta we got to find a way to make those plays. And, and felt like there in the late fourth quarter we, we created an interception, felt good about it. Um, I know they took it away from us and called a penalty on us, but – uh, those are the plays we're looking to create. We got to be the team that makes those plays in the fourth quarter that lets us go win the games. So I know uh, when you when you um, asked for them to take a look at the middle screen that Landry had, I, I thought maybe initially Petonio was downfield. He wasn't when I saw the replay. But man, those are the tight end. It was a little looked like a little pick uh, action going on there. Is that what you guys saw? Is that what you were looking at to see if that's what sprung the Landry in that middle screen? Yeah, they can't be blocking downfield before the ball's caught, and it's as simple as that. So what, what was their explanation? I, I saw the, I saw you out there, you know, pleading a case to them. I mean, was it just deaf ears by them, or what, what kind of an answer did they give you, if any? Couldn't see it. Couldn't see it. Can't even see it on the tape. <laughs> Man, when it rains, it pours, huh? Thanks, Zach. Yep.
The Bengals finished with a season-high 451 yards of offense, 179 rushing and 272 passing. Baker Mayfield, who had seven touchdown passes and no interceptions and two wins over the Bengals last year, finished 11 for 24 for 192 yards with no touchdowns, two picks, and a passer rating of 38.9. And yet, by only scoring 16 points instead of 35 points on five trips into the red zone, the Bengals fell to 1-12. The twilight zone, er, red zone, is where I began my postgame conversation with Lab. It's remarkable to me because on the season, the defense for the Cleveland Browns have allowed 22 touchdowns and 37 opportunities 59.5% of the time, better than a 50-50 proposition, they were giving up a touchdown. Today, one time, you had a touchdown and five opportunities, that's 20%. That's almost 40% under the norm for the Cleveland Browns all season long. So, I mean, I don't know if it was the Cle- what the Cleveland Browns were doing or what the Cincinnati Bengals weren't doing, but it wasn't pretty. I mean, one touchdown from the one-yard line, first and goal from the two-yard line had to settle for a field goal. One touchdown, three field goals, one time, no points just can't win football games doing that. They were two for three. They got in the red zone three times and scored twice on a defense that was third in the NFL in uh, touchdown percentage, and they scored 66.7% of the time touchdown. So to me, that was a big deal in the, in the condensed short field where the Bengals defensively had a, have had a big eight edge. It wasn't there today, and then offensively, struggles that they've had, and they have had struggles, were magnified. I mean, they struggle's not the word for it. It was worse than that. The Bengals have been among the least penalized teams in the NFL all year. Today, they had 99 penalty yards, but beyond that, they were just gut-punching penalties that wiped out big gains or, in one case, took away an interception late in the game. It seemed like almost every penalty the Bengals had was devastating. Yeah, and on the season, they were averaging you know less than 50 yards, like 40-some-odd yards leading the NFL. And Cleveland was well over 900 uh, most in the NFL, and today they only had 30, you know, whatever it was. Uh, yeah, 30, 30 yards on six penalties. So, I mean, you give up almost a football field in penalties, that's, that's never good. And you know it's going gonna, it's gonna to negate some, some big plays, and it certainly did. Um, I thought that was a big factor. I think third down was another one. The Bengals were 3 for 12, and Browns were 7 for 12. And like you say about the penalties, I mean, Cleveland made plays on third down. Third and 19, convert. Third down, touchdown run by Baker Mayfield. Third and a bunch for Andy Dalton. He throws a pick six. I mean, it's like tragedy on the Bengals' third down failures. Big success on when the Cleveland Browns converted on third down. So that disparity was huge. First time all year, the Bengals win the turnover battle. They have two takes, and uh, Cleveland has, has one should have been three takes, but it wasn't. But it was two takes to their one. And uh, if somebody had told me, you're going to go up to Cleveland, win the turnover ratio, going to have 450 yards, and Joe Mixon going to have 186 of them on 26 touches, I'm thinking, that's a win. That's not a win by just one score. That's a win. That's a significant win. Didn't turn out that way. What was so effective for Joe Mixon in this game? You mentioned the totals. 146 came on the ground on 23 carries, three receptions for 40 more. What were the Bengals able to do that led to that kind of day? 
Well, on, uh, on I'd say a half a dozen or more of his 23 carries, they were doing this little short toss where they'd, they'd toss it and they'd, they'd pin the uh, end of the line of scrimmage and they'd pull the center and guard. They'd either pull Miller and Hopkins or Jordan and Hopkins. Those guys get their blocks, and Joe was reading it out really well. They got a lot of, lot of yards in that play. They ran it a few times as a play-action pass because once you have you crease them running the football, now run the same look and throw behind it, which they did. So... They did some good things. I mean, it was a track meet between the 20s, but inside the 20, man, they were dropping the baton. And every time they're trying to finish the relay in the track meet, they were dropping the baton. In 10 years in the NFL and two years in the USFL, you undoubtedly had games like this where statistically you dominated. You probably looked up at the scoreboard during the course of the game and thought to yourself, how aren't we winning? What is that like as a player to have a day like that? Unbelievably frustrating. You know, it's um, it, it, it seems like... When it rains, it pours, and it's it's not just a you know a thunderstorm. It's a freaking hurricane. I mean, it's not. It, it's pouring. Mother Nature is treating you real bad. I mean, it's it is. You're swimming against the current. You know, you're upstream all the time in games like that. Up next, a home game on Sunday against the New England Patriots, who are ten and three, but have a two-game losing streak after falling to the Texans and Chiefs. How much do you want to bet that Bill Belichick utters, we're on to Cincinnati at a news conference this week? Now time for this week's Fun Facts Conversation as we get to know the person under the pads. This week, it's a rookie offensive lineman out of Ohio State with a discerning palate for macaroni and cheese. Time for some fun facts with Bengals offensive lineman Michael Jordan, born in the Cincinnati area before moving away in middle school. Your grandfather was a Cincinnati firefighter. Your dad went to Roger Bacon High School. If you could have picked an NFL team to play for, would Cincinnati have been that team? It would have been Cincinnati Bengals 100%. What Bengals memories do you have from your childhood? I just remember watching Chad Johnson, Rudy Johnson playing a lot, TJ Hitzman's out of Carson Palmer. Uh, I remember watching Andrew Whitworth. Um, a lot, just a, a lot of guys. Pico, who's still in the league. Um, which is absolutely crazy to think about. Did I read correctly that you met some of those star players at a playground when you were a kid? Yes, I did. I I got to. I remember meeting Chad Johnson and T.J. Hismazada when I was a uh, uh, in elementary school at Zion Temple Christian Academy. There's a park that opened up right across from it, and the Bengals players, some of the stars, were there. We're visiting with Michael Jordan. You told your mom when you were six that you were going to play in the NFL. Why did that become a goal at such an early age? I just, you know, I fell in love playing football when I first started playing. And, you know, I see guys on TV looking like they're having fun. It just seemed like a bunch of fun to me when I was a kid. So that's probably why it mainly became a goal of mine back then. You're a big man now. Were you always the big kid growing up? I was always the tallest um, I wasn't necessarily the biggest. When I was a freshman in high school, I was 6'4 and 185 pounds. Hmm. You wrestled in high school. I saw a picture of you with some poor kid in a headlock. Did you like wrestling? <laughs> I loved wrestling. Uh, wrestling definitely helped me with the mental toughness of any sport I played, You know, whether it be football or whether it was track or wrestling itself. You know, I'm really thankful to go through that experience. You were involved in martial arts as well, right? Yeah, I was uh, for middle school. And do you have a black belt? Uh, yes, I do. 
How did that help you? Uh, it helped me just become disciplined uh, throughout my entire life. When you have goals that you need uh, to accomplish, you have to be very disciplined. You have to tell yourself to this is how you're going to do it, and then you actually have to follow it, and I think Taekwondo helped a lot with that. So I mentioned that you were born and raised here until middle school before moving first to South Carolina and then going to a high school in Michigan. Your high school wasn't too far from Ann Arbor, 20 minutes away, but you went to Ohio State. How did the folks in your high school take that news? My best friends, you know, they they get, they get showed a lot of love, but other people, like teachers and stuff, they were always <laughs> giving me tons of crap. You were always a good student. What was your favorite course at Ohio State? And why did you enjoy it? Probably either entrepreneurship or business management, just because it taught me a lot about myself and what I enjoy outside of football. I've read that you've taken courses in Chinese. What about learning that language appealed to you? To be honest, I didn't really want to take Chinese. I watch a lot of anime, and I wanted to uh, learn Japanese, but Chinese was offered at the school, so I just took it for the four years I was in high school. I'm probably going to try here out in the, in the next year or two, probably pick up on either Japanese or Mandarin, hmm. just because of the TV shows I watch. We're doing fun facts with Michael Jordan. You were fourth-round draft pick by the Bengals. Describe draft night. Um, It was a really special moment. I had all my family, but I wasn't called when I was wanted to, but I still had a lot of my loved ones there who supported me. And when I got the call from the Cincinnati Bengals, I was actually asleep. <laughs> and the phone was ringing, and I got really excited. So I've seen the video online of you getting the phone call, and you can hear a woman's voice in the background screaming, Woo! Yeah! Woo! I'm not doing a very good imitation. Was that your mom, or who was that? It was probably either my aunt or my mom. I don't remember the uh, the person's voice, but it's probably because my aunt was the one who took the video. So if it was really loud directly, it was probably my aunt. But if the voice was far far away, it was probably my mom. I think it was your aunt. Yeah. <laughs> well, if we hear screaming uh, in the stands, go number 60, we'll know it's probably your aunt. <laughs> All right, a few other questions for Michael Jordan. What is your guilty pleasure? What unhealthy food do you have a hard time saying no to? Macaroni and cheese. No hesitation. No hesitation. Mom's homemade version or another family member's homemade version or, or craft right out of the box? You know, my great-grandma's uh, macaroni and cheese was the best I've ever had. Um, and then second best, probably my mom. And then third, I'd probably say on a recruiting trip to Notre Dame. I really take macaroni very seriously. <laughs> Clearly, despite that great macaroni and cheese, the Fighting Irish could not secure your services. Oh, they, they were this close to having me. I was like, I was, I was ready to commit right off that. I was like, all right. Attention recruiters have good mac and cheese. What do you like to shop for? I, I'm really big in the tech, so I like to buy speakers. I listen to music a lot. Um, I just bought a game share because I play PS4 a lot, too. All right, forgive my ignorance. I have a 13-year-old son who, who plays a lot of Xbox, but what is a game chair? Uh, it's just a chair that uh, it's very comfortable. Mine has speakers in it, so I can hear the game very loud and clear. But it's nice. And it has, mine has a swivel on it, so I can turn 360. 
All right. Interesting to know. Aside from professional athlete, have you had any other jobs? Uh, I had an internship with Monster Financial last summer, uh, just as an intern to a financial advisor. Did you learn anything uh, that's useful? Oh, yeah, I learned a lot, especially about managing money and what you should do with it. Hopefully that'll come in very handy if you have a long NFL career. If you could meet anybody in history, politician, athlete, actor, religious figure, whomever, who would that person be? Michael Jackson. Michael Jackson, the king of pop. Yeah. Lifelong fan? Since day one. Music cranking in the uh, Jordan household? All the time when I was younger. Mama fan, dad a fan, or everybody in the family? I think, you know, my dad, he's more run uh, DMC. And then my mom, it's kind of hard to say. I know when I was a little kid, my mom used to always force us to listen to country music. (laughs) (laughs) Shame on you, Mom. All right, final question for Michael Jordan. You share a name with the most famous athlete on the planet. Did the basketball legend have anything to do with you being named Michael Jordan? I was named after my father. It's his middle name, is that correct? Mm Mm-hmm. How did you feel about sharing a name with the basketball legend? You know, when I was a little kid, of course, it was like, oh, that's exciting. But as you get older and you figure out who you are and you realize you're not that great at basketball, (laughs) it kind of (laughs) sucks. And you're an old lineman, so you couldn't wear 23. So there's no problem there. Yeah. Enjoyed this. Appreciate your time. Best of luck the rest of the way. No problem. Thank you. Thanks so much. That's Michael Jordan. Here's a quick invitation to join us on location this week. On Friday afternoon from 3 to 6, we'll be at Buffalo Wings and Rings in Oakley for the Bengals Pep Rally Show. And we are tentatively scheduled to have Joe Mixon as our guest in the final hour. We'll have plenty of giveaways, too. That's going to do it for this episode of the podcast. If you haven't done so already, don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And if you have a minute, give it a rating or share a comment. Those five-star ratings help more Bengals fans find this podcast. I'm Dan Horde, and thank you for listening to the Bengals Booth Podcast.